You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Okay, today's sermon text is from Acts 4, 32 to 5, 11. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead they held everything in common. With great power the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it to the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge, and brought a portion of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it, and after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on the, all who heard these things. This is God's word. All right. It's kind of loud. <laughs> Turned down a little bit. Um, good morning. My name is Aaron, one of the pastors here. And it's a, a joy to, um, yeah, just to, to open up God's word. If you're you new with us, we're in the book of Acts, continuing on in um, chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table back there. We'd, we'd love to put one in your hands. You know, it, it matters what, what God says far more than it matters what, what I say. And so um, always check what, what we're saying up here and, and make sure it matches up with, with what God says in his word. We need his help. Um, so I'm going to pray that he would open our hearts and we would behold the wondrous things in his word. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you speak to us, the way that you communicate through your word. I pray that you would open our hearts, help us to, to hear from your scriptures what it means to, to follow you and what it means to, to be saved through your son, Jesus. That's in his name I pray. Amen. All right, so a little, little context. Um, remember Acts 1.8 is a um, famous verse. It's kind of the outline of the, the book. You'll be my witness, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, so in, we're still in the Jerusalem section, right? We spent a couple weeks, you know, talking about the, the birth of the church, and then we spent a couple weeks kind of looking externally, you know, how Peter and John are interacting with those in the temple, 
how they've, they've healed this, this lame man and, um, you know, proclaimed that it's through Jesus' power, through the power of Jesus' name that he was healed. This week, we're, we're turning a little internal. So what is the church, how does it interact with, with itself internally? In this passage, we see radical unity on display through generosity and, and those that are willing to, to sell lands and properties and, and give the money away. And we also see an example of the kind of selfish, selfish, deceitful actions that can destroy a church. So that contrast there is, is my main idea for us today, that, that you cultivate unity and you display Jesus when you deny yourself for others. But you sabotage unity and you deny Jesus when you prioritize yourself over others. You see two kind of main sections here, verses 32 through 35 is, is kind of um, the theory of it. So Luke is, is giving the, the kind of general theory, and then we see a couple case studies where Barnabas is, is the positive case study, and Ananias and Sapphira are the, the negative case study. So jumping in, verses 32 through 35, the, the theory, three little sections here, verse 32 is, shows their unity, Verse 33 shows that they have testimony of the power of the Lord Jesus. And then 34 and 35 is, is generosity. So we see evidence in these first few verses here, 32 through 35, that, that there's a distinct health in this church. There's harmony with one another shown in this unity and generosity. And there's also love of God. So, you know, the two greatest commandments of, of loving God and, and loving our neighbor. We see both of those on, on display in this church. So focusing in on their unity in, in verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. That's, that's total unity. One heart, one mind. I think of you know sports teams that you can have some teams that Everybody's caring about their own stats. They're, they're focused on their self. They're not playing as a team. Then you have somebody that, where every person on the team is willing to take their role. You know, a few years ago, um, when the Golden State Warriors basketball team started getting good, they were playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, and um, they were up with – they had won three games, and so if they won one more, then they would win the championship. And, um, and so – I saw this press conference, and they asked LeBron, like, do you think you still have a chance? And he said, yeah, because I'm the greatest player in the world. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a Golden State Warriors fan now because <laughs> I want him to lose because if, he, if he's so focused on himself, whereas the Warriors, their motto was strength in numbers. They're, they're willing to, to play their – for each individual player to play their role and do it well, and, and they won the championship, and I was glad. So um, that kind of contrast where, you know, we see all these people, the entire group. That's a lot of people, right? We saw in chapter 4, verse 4, it said that the number came up to about 5,000. So that entire group being united, contrast that with Ananias and Sapphira who were self-centered, focused on their self. One of the key passages in the Bible that is familiar to us as a church, we went through Philippians um, last year. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. 
you know, it says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship in the Spirit, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. You hear that unity language, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That's what we see here in in the early church. The entire group, one heart and one mind. One purpose, proclaiming that the kingdom has come. In Philippians 2, there's this, this gospel foundation of that unity. You can remember those, those first couple of verses. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any fellowship with the Spirit. Back in chapter 1, verse 27, it said, As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear about you, that you're standing firm in one spirit and one accord, contending together for the faith of the, faith of the gospel. And then right after that section, we see the magnificent Christ hymn of, of Jesus humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it says, therefore, he's highly exalted because he has humbled himself. So the unity that Paul preaches in, in Philippians is based on the gospel. And we see the unity here in this passage is, is based on the gospel too. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles are giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on all of them. As you read these verses, if you just skip over verse 33, it, it kind of seems like it, it flows. Like the entire group, you know, no one claimed any possessions was his own. There was not a needy person among them. Like it feels like you can just skip that. But it's not an interruption. It's, it's the foundation. They held everything in common because of the power of, of Jesus. Because they knew that Jesus raised from the dead and they could give testimony to that. Therefore, great grace was on all of them. Therefore, they were united and and generous. All the way back in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and the crowd is drawn in and and Peter is giving testimony to this resurrection. And he says, Acts 2.32, God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, He's, um, and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he's poured out what you see in here. Jesus, through his power, poured out the Holy Spirit on them. In Acts 3 and 4, as this lame man is, is healed, Peter is proclaiming that it's through the power of Jesus' name. He says that you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Let this be known to all of you, the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. Peter wants it to be 100% clear to those he's speaking to that it is the power that raised Jesus from the dead that is continuing in the church. That, that power sets the foundation for this radical unity, this radical generosity. Because Jesus rose from the dead, anything is possible. And everything is worth it. It says great grace was on all of them. They received the great grace of salvation. <clears throat> invitation into the community. Invitation into the kingdom. Any sacrifice is worth it. You know the, the hymn line, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. 
So that testimony of, of Jesus' resurrection sets the foundation for the unity and the generosity that we see. Verse 34, 35, there's not a needy person among them. The gospel led to this denial of self, this willingness to give to others, great graces on them, and it's shown in, in an old promise coming true. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 4, it says, There will be no poor among you, because the Lord is certain to bless you in the land that the Lord, has got, that the Lord your God is giving you. So we know that, that this kingdom has come through Jesus. We know that they're in the promised land now. There's no poor among them. Not because each individual person was, was wealthy, but because those that had excess were willing to give it up. They're willing to sacrifice. Are any of you guys um, familiar with the game Settlers of Catan? Because yeah, I see some big nods back there. That's good. Um, so it's this game. You, you get these resources, and, and you try to build towns and cities and stuff to, uh, to get more points. And so... Say you want to build a town, you need a, a wood, a sheep, a brick, a wheat. If you don't have any wood, but then you have like six sheep, you're more than willing to give up some of your sheep so that you can get a wood so that you can build a settlement. Right? It's an easy choice. You've got six sheep, you don't need that many sheep. Get rid of them. That's a no-brainer. The entire group of people is, is thinking that way. Like, I have more than enough sheep. I'm just going to give my sheep away. I have more than enough land. I can sell it and give it to those that are in need. So that kind of no-brainer thinking of, I have more than enough of this. I can trade it out for this. They're thinking that as the entire group. That's a radical way of thinking. A personal example from, from my life, we, we were fighting to get out of our, our debt a few years ago. Working hard. I was working full-time and then doing a part-time delivery pizzas on the weekend. Um, and we were getting through it. All we had left was our car and one last little bit of a, a student loan. And then Jess was driving our car and sitting at a stoplight and got hit. Car got totaled. The check that the insurance company gave us was more than enough to pay off what we owed on the car and the student loan and have $6,000 left over. So we had an easy choice for us to buy a car for less than $6,000 and be out of debt. So what if we had that same type of mindset for the church? What if we had somebody in our small group that is thinking that way and we have the chance to, to downsize our car so that they can be able to serve so that they can have, the, the, have their needs met to be able to serve the Lord? What if, what if their student loan debt is keeping them from going overseas and we have the opportunity to, to help them pay off their debt so they can go overseas for missions? You know, it says that they held all things in common in here. There are so many more things that, that we can hold in common than we do. We need to think outside the box. Quite a few have an extra room in your house and, and you let a single mom live there. Maybe you really like grocery shopping and it stresses one of your friends out. You can do that. You can grocery shop for them. Maybe you really like to clean. 
And you have a friend that's not as neat, not as uptight, you know? I'm just kidding. You can help them clean out, clean up. Maybe you can watch a friend's kids while they go on a date. I, I, I'll be your friend. You can watch my kids. <laughs> there are so many ways that, that we can hold things in common with one another, that we can support each other, that we can be God's people together. And we need to remember that the gospel is at the root of all this. We love because he first loved us. We give because he gave so much to us. So that's kind of the, the theory, these verses 32 through 35. And then we see a couple case studies, a couple real-life examples that, that Luke gives. One example is, is worthy of following Barnabas. One example warns us of the, the seriousness of, of disunity. So, you know, Luke says that that any that had land, verse um, 34, those that owned houses or, or land sold them, brought the proceeds. So it sounds like he, he probably had, you know, a number of examples that he could have chosen. But he, he takes this opportunity to, to introduce us to Barnabas. It's going to be, you know, present throughout the, the book of Acts. I think of, um, you know, shows that, that have spinoffs, you know, like CSI or, or Law and Order or something. There's, you know, 10 different versions now. Remember in, in one CSI, you know, they, they're based in Las, Las Vegas and they go to Miami to introduce the characters for CSI Miami. I feel like that, that's kind of what's happening here with Barnabas. Like he, he's got this, this introduction now of this is a guy that, that you should pay attention to. You know, we see Barnabas is worthy of following because of his total dedication to the Lord. He's completely generous here and later throughout the script, throughout the book of Acts, we see him dedicated to mission. So Barnabas sells a field, gives it away. It says that he's called the, he called Barnabas, which is translated the son of encouragement. So he, he takes the, the field or the money from the field he sold he, and he just lays it at the apostles' feet. He's, he's dedicated to community. He's not setting a whole lot of expectations with how this money is going to be used. Right? He's just faithfully giving it away. You know, and, and I've heard from some people that are leading nonprofits where money is given to them, but it's got these tight restrictions on it. I want you to use this money for this purpose, and it's, it's kind of not what the nonprofit needs. Barnabas is not doing that. He's not setting these tight restrictions on money or, or asking a ton of questions of the apostles how they're using it. Right? He's generous in how he gives it. He trusts their judgment. He's called the son of encouragement. You probably know some people that are, are just really encouraging. You spend some time with them and, and you just feel better. My friend Tyler that was here a few weeks ago sharing about his work in Utah, he's kind of like that. You know, we had a couple meals with him while he was here that weekend and after he left me and Jess were just like I just feel better you know Tyler's he's just he was so encouraging about you know our church and and what God is doing here I love spending time with with him and I'm sure Barnabas is like that we also see in Barnabas that he is he's focused on mission his encouragement directly leads to to further mission right later in Acts 
we see that he is the one that brings Paul into community. After Paul is converted on the road to Damascus, the church is afraid of him, but, but Barnabas encourages him, brings him in. And Paul goes on to, to plant many churches. Another example, Paul brings, you know, he keeps John Mark in community. So Paul and, and Barnabas end up splitting because Barnabas is willing to, to stick with, with John Mark and Paul doesn't want to. And so they go, and they go on two different missionary journeys. And later, Paul writes a letter and he says, send John Mark to me. So we know that, that Barnabas' encouragement towards John Mark, you know, helped heal that relationship, helped John Mark stay in the community. So Barnabas is, he's set up by Lucas as this model disciple for us to follow. Be encouraging, be generous. Be committed to the advancement of the kingdom. And we also see this negative example, Ananias and Sapphira. Sometimes on my social media feeds, I'll get the little promoted ads for like, you know, real clickbait articles. I get them because I click on them because I think they're funny. One of them, you know, it says, it's like 27 times people got caught lying on social media. And so like this girl is sitting in the car, takes a selfie and says, oh, I'm stuck in traffic. But you can see in the reflection of her sunglasses that the road is clear in front of her. And so it's like, why, why are you lying? What, what benefit is that? You can ask the same question about Ananias and Sapphira. Why are you lying like this? The only reason they're lying is because they want the glory. They want the attention. That should be to God. They probably hear people talking well about Barnabas and how Barnabas gave the money for his land, and so they want to do it too, but, but it's about them. It's not about God. It, it's so serious. It's such a big deal because the essence of the gospel is that it's not about us. Our way is not good enough. We have to turn away from our way and turn to God's way. And Ananias and Sapphira are saying that their way is better than God's way. Attention on them is better than attention on God. So for them to to lie like this, to steal the glory that is due to the Lord, reveals that they're not changed by the gospel. As we go through this text, there's a few things that you want to draw out. First of all, that they're united in this. They're, they're together. You know, it says Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. He kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge. It's not one or the other. It's both of them. They're, they're both complicit in this. Another thing you want us to see is that the amount they gave or even whether or not they gave is not, it's not the issue. Right, Peter says, verse 4, wasn't it yours while you possessed it? After it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Like they could have done whatever they wanted with this land. They could have sold it and just been open about, hey, we're going to keep 20% for us and we're going to give 80% to the church. The issue was the deceit. They chose to lie. 
They chose to keep the attention for themselves. In Luke chapter 20, verse 45 through 21, 6, there's this, um, it's the, the story where, where Jesus highlights the, the widow that gives the two small coins. It says that she gives everything she has to live on. So he honors her, but, but around that section, he highlights that the religious leaders are, are ignoring her. Right? It says that they love greetings in the marketplace. They love their position in society. They give bags of money to the temple, but they're ignoring the most vulnerable. This widow has to give everything that she has to live on because nobody's taking care of her. And Ananias and Sapphira show that kind of attitude, that they're caring more about what the world thinks of them than whether or not people are cared for. We see that after Peter confronts Ananias, Sapphira has a chance to make things right, but she doubles down. You know, he says, did you sell the land for this price? And she said, yes, for that price. There's a few phrases in here that that reveal the seriousness of this, that they are lying to the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, Peter said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Then to verse 4, You have not lied to people, but to God. Verse 9, Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? So we see here that that the Holy Spirit is in God's people. And so when they are lying to harm the church, to harm God's people, they're really lying to God. This feels harsh that they're put to death immediately. Death for a lie. Well, the Bible is clear that the wages of sin is death. But the verse doesn't stop there. It says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even though there's this, this harshness, this, this death, we know that we have hope through Jesus. If you go to the doctor and, and they said, hey, all your skins, they look great, everything is good, you do have a cancerous tumor on your pancreas, but we're not worried about it. We're just going to wait and see what's happening. If your body fights it off, then you're going to go find another doctor because that cancer needs to be taken care of. And so the attitude that Ananias and Sapphira have where it's about them instead of about God, that's so dangerous. That's a cancerous tumor to the church. So a few applications for us. Number one, believe the gospel. Just remember that Jesus made a way for us to be brought into this community. Jesus lived his life perfectly all the way to death on a cross. He never veered off his mission. He died on the cross, but he was raised. And the power that raised him is the same power that can raise you out of your sin bring you into the community. 
bring you into the family, the kingdom. That's the foundation for everything else, for all these other applications. And Ananias and Sapphira didn't, didn't believe that. They showed it by the way they acted. But we have a chance to, to believe it today. Second application is just to hold more things in common with other believers. So we can do this in two directions. If, if you have a tendency to, to never ask for help, to try to carry all your own burdens, one way that you can hold more things in common is to ask for help where you need it. Be willing to be helped. Be willing to be served. Communicate about the way that, that you need to be served. In the other direction, wherever you have things that, that are in excess, wherever you have you know, extra time, extra money, extra resources, gifts of the Spirit, be generous with those. Share those. Know that you have a chance to advance the kingdom through your serving. Serving your brothers and sisters in Christ is, is of greater value than whatever you would give up. And number three, remember that the Spirit is in the people of God. So that should affect the way that we speak to one another, the way that we view each other. Our brothers and spirits, our brothers and sisters in Christ have opportunities to to have the Spirit come through us, come to us. And so when you come to the church, bringing your gifts, your wisdom, you're bringing the Holy Spirit. You know, I was talking about how Barnabas just gave the money away and laid it at the apostles' feet. You can do that. You can give money to the church and just let us do what we want with it. We are trying to be faithful. But you also have a responsibility as members of this church to to make sure that we are being faithful. Right? Ask about our budget, what we're doing with our money. Care about our vision, our core values. And then finally, when the Holy Spirit is in the people of God, that affects the way that we interact with the world. When we interact with our coworkers, with our neighbors, we bear the name of God. We saw that as we were going through Exodus. Taking the Lord's name in, in vain is, is living in such a way that, that God's name is not given the attention and the honor that it deserves. As we come to a close, you know, I just want, to, want us to remember that Jesus is, is better than, than anything else. You know, it's easy in our culture to, to think that we've earned everything that we have. You know, I work really hard, and so I've, I've gotten this, and I deserve it. It's easy to, to see yourself as a, a product of the American dream that, you know, I'm successful because of my hard work. You know, why should I have to suffer because this other person can't, can't handle their own stuff? So Ananias and, and Sapphira, they weren't, they weren't kicked out of community because they were thinking that way. But it showed 
as they were thinking that way, it showed that they were never really part of the community. They never really understood the gospel. So praise God that, that God didn't think that way about us, that he wasn't thinking, why should I suffer? Because they keep sinning. Instead, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. He laid down his life. Remember that, that Jesus is, is better than all of your stuff. He's better than anything. He's worth giving up everything. And Ananias and Sapphira didn't believe that. Barnabas did. We have an opportunity to advance the kingdom through serving, through giving, through believing in Jesus and, and proclaiming the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the way that you set such a wonderful example for us. The way that you laid down your life. The way that you humbled yourself to the point of death. Even death on a cross. I pray that you would help us to, to humble ourselves and not thinking that our stuff or our gifts or our time is, is just for us. Help us to, to know that you brought us into the community, into your family, to, to be able to participate in your mission. I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to not do things for, for our own glory, for our own attention, Lord, but, but always be willing to, to serve others and, and to let you get all the credit. We love you. We're so thankful for the way that you are so kind and gracious to us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.